Listening to the first 15 minutes, a podcast where we watch the first 15 minutes of a film we've never seen and then guess what happens next. My guest today is a man who needs no introduction to close family or friends, but may need an introduction to you. His name is Evan Waddles. On social media, it's Evan Cutler Waddles. Evan, do you mind saying hello to the audience? Hello, audience. Um, as Nick said, my name is Evan Cutler Waddles, and uh, I am both privileged uh, and grateful to be here today. Thank you so much. That means a lot. So Evan is a prolific, exciting, creative man. He's a filmmaker, he's a rock star editor, he's very funny, he's a good storyteller, he does a lot of things well, and I'm delighted to have him on this show. I think he's pretty much the, the perfect guest. Oh, by the way, our movie will be Purple Rain by Prince. Prince. Just kidding. That's the, Prince. Well, that's the native pronunciation, I believe. But Evan, a very cool guy, uh, he is sort of, um, if I was going to give you, you know, I'll let you maybe describe yourself if, if I miss anything, but Evan, uh, a very cool quality that he has is that he's sort of like a Robin Hood of internet scams and anti-scammers, I guess. Mm. He's kind of like the to-catch-a-predator of scamming. So Evan, if you could briefly tell me the story again um, about the guy that was selling tickets. Oh, yeah. Concert tickets. I, is, it, is it sad or awesome that when you said that, I was like, which story is he referring to? <laughs> uh, it's the one that ends with you refunding a lot of people's Yeah, money. yeah. So... Um, a couple of months ago, I mean, so context, present context, we're in the middle of the, uh, coronavirus quarantine. I'm not sure when this is coming out, but, um, bearing that in mind, everything, including a week ago feels like months ago, but this was actually months ago. Um, I was, uh, trying to buy concert tickets and found somebody on Facebook Profile was very obviously fake. I led them on for a while saying I would love to buy uh, three tickets for $250 each to a fictional band that I made up a very ridiculous name for. I don't remember what it was. Probably something with like Slurple, Jerps, and the, you know, crusty nerds. Um... And uh, the guy's like, yes, I have the Slurple Jerps tickets, 250 each, sounds great. And I was like, okay, my PayPal, though, has a bunch of security measures in place, so, like, give me your email, and we got to do this quick. So he gives me his email, and I take it, and I go to log into his PayPal, and I do the password reset, and it's like, you know, we sent a, uh, or I go to log into his email, and I'm like, 
I do the password reset, and I'm like, okay, quick, it sent you a code. What's the code it sent you? And he's like, uh, you know, 6975, so I punch that in, get into his email, uh, change all of his uh, passwords and backup email thing and phone, uh, and then use that to get into his PayPal. And then within the PayPal, he had not yet cashed out the most recent scams that he had performed. So I refunded the most re- the most recent transactions. Um, and then I, uh, I found his like IP address from his previous logins and reported him to the Kenyan police department. So that was, uh, that's what Saturday nights look like in your thirties, I guess. Yeah. You also love fucking with uh, telemarketers. I do. That's... A... The, um, do you want to tell the one of um, the, <laughs> the I love you? Yeah. Tell them you love me? That's that's a really good one, I'll try. Too. I'll try and do it. I'll do it quickly. Um, the uh, telemarketer called. They're like, you know, do uh, this is from the IRS or something. It was some fake thing. And uh, I was I was like, look, I gotta, I'm going to stop you right there. Um I have to tell you, you sound exactly like my deceased father. And the person's like, uh, oh, uh, thank you. And I was like, look, I know this is, this is crazy. This is weird. But could you just do me a favor and say, I love you, son. And I'm proud of you. There's a long pause. And he's like, "I, I love you, son. And I'm proud of you. And I said, I go, thanks, Dad. I love you, too. And then I hung up. <laughs> and he never called me again. So, you know, everybody wins. Thank you for, thank you for uh, repeating those stories. I really like those a lot. My and, pleasure. And I know you've done hundreds of anti-scams. I can, yeah, I have. Uh, I, don't, I don't know why that's, like, a thing of mine, but it's something... It goes way back, like way, like like in college, I th- I think I got burnt on fake tickets once in college, and after that it was just like, well, one of my many life purposes is uh, anti scam stuff. Um, so it you know it's uh it's been a lifelong passion of mine. I bought fake uh, James Blunt tickets. Recently, it was actually pretty sad. I um, yeah, that's almost that's almost as sad as buying real James Blunt tickets. <laughs> well, so no, okay, come on. So I uh, I bought these tickets months in advance, and there was a show on Sunday and a show on Monday, and I was like, oh, I'll go to the the Sunday show because then more people will want to go with me. So I buy two tickets, and. Yep, and then a few months go by, and I go. Of course, I bought tickets for the Monday show because that's because I don't. I you know I work from home, so okay. So I go to the show with my friend. The guy scans me. Goes, oh, this is these are yesterday's tickets. I go, ah, oh, fuck. Okay, so we're leaving, and a guy immediately goes, hey, I got tickets. I go, you you promise me they're not fake, right? You go, you go. Can you walk up with me? Like walk up with me to make sure they're not fake. As soon as he scans them, I'll give you the money. He's like, no, no, I can't do it. I can't do it. So I, you know, I pay like $10 each for these tickets. 
I go back, the guy scans them again, they're fake tickets, and, you know, I don't get to see James Blunt. But then I also wasn't really sure what James Blunt looked like. And a few weeks after that, I was standing behind him in line at an airport, at the Austin International Airport, and he must have thought that I was trying to talk to him or get an autograph because he was very, very weird. And he like turned around and like kind of like moved away from me. And then, and then I remember him, you know, they, or, you know, they called out, you know, order for James for the tacos and he went and got him and he said, Oh, I'm James in a British accent. And then, and that's when it clicked. I go, Oh fuck. That was him. Oh, did he look and like I wish I could have told he looked him. like, I guess so. Kind of looks like the guy from Coldplay or, um, I don't know. Maybe I'm wrong. Maybe that's not even what he looks like. He yeah, looks maybe like that a, was. You know. Maybe it was James Joint that you saw, and because James Blunt is <laughs> oh, maybe. probably possible. a lot bigger. Okay, your story was a lot better. Your story was way better. No, I okay, liked. So... I liked yours, and like yours has at least yours was only uh, twenty dollars of fake tickets. Although actually, you also bought tickets for the wrong. Yeah, I don't know, the man. First, You're... The first ones were forty dollars each. Yeah, so that's you. That's like a hundred bucks lost right there. That's uh. But luckily, I went right next door to a dive bar with a pool table, and then me and my friend played pool for three hours, uh, kind of getting wasted. Honestly, and, um... that's a you know that's what we call an Australian ending. It's not a happy ending like in America, and it's not a sad ending like in France. It's a, it's a, it's a little bit of column A and a little bit of column B. Yeah, I thought an Australian ending would be a bare knuckle brawl with a kangaroo. No, no kangaroo, but just bare knuckle, you know, kind of soccer hooligan, rugby hooligan yeah, fighting. I think that's where it originates from because you're happy to see a fight, but also people are hurting each other. Mm-hmm. Um, so it's you know a a, a comedic tragedy. Yeah. You know, and you know how the saying goes, um, once they're down, no kicks to the head. That is what, yeah, that's what my mom always said growing up. But, okay, so uh, I think that was a good introduction. Yeah, Evan, by the way, if I wasn't clear, Evan is a fantastic filmmaker. And is there anything, do you have a website or anything you want people to check out? Uh, yeah, um, hot, hot hunks at evan.net. Uh, is my email address, um, and you can just send me pictures. Of... Is that hot with a H A W T or H O T? The first two, the first two hots are H O T, and then the third is H A W T, uh, and the T is actually a seven. Uh, <laughs> so there's some imagination. Uh, yeah, you can look at. I have everything I have that I am. Some, somewhat proud of is on my website at uh, silentface.net um, like the uh, like the New Order song Your Silent Face I don't know if you ever knew that that's where that's from Nick that's the, I uh, didn't yeah. I didn't but I when you created the Facebook page for your company Silent Face I was like oh shit the logo is uh 
a Kurt Vonnegut doodle that I have oh, tattooed on my that's leg. Right. And I was so excited to tell you. I was like, "Oh, dude, your logo is the is the Kurt Vonnegut image, that the doodle that uh, you we must both like." Yeah. And you're like, and you're like, no, that's not it. <laughs> I don't know what that is. Yeah, I didn't know what that is, and then I looked it up and was like, "Oh, look at that! Happy accidents." Um, and you know, I grew up loving Vonnegut, so it's quite appropriate. Very cool. So let's get right into it, as they say. So, the movie that we just watched the first 15 minutes of... Oh, I've got a burp. I'm so sorry. Okay. The first 15 minutes of the movie we just watched is uh, entitled Purple Rain. Mm. Let me just really quickly check uh, what year it was made. Purple... No. I feel like it was uh, 1984. 1984. Very cool. I, I bet we were born somewhere around that time. Yeah, I feel like we're about the same age. I'm an 86 baby. I'm an 80s baby. Uh, a 90s kid. I'm a 1988 baby. So, But still a 90s kid. Still a 90s kid. You know, I still remember the uh, Nicktoons theme songs. And uh, Crossfire commercials. So, you you know, I feel like I hit all the marks for 90s kid. So cool. So Prince uh, was in this movie. And I know that this movie was made to kind of showcase his talents. It's a movie. So Prince is already famous. Mm-hmm. And the movie is made to kind of show off, you know, that he is, uh, you know, this a uh, triple threat. So he's uh, he's sexy, mm. he's handsome, mm. and he sings. Mm. No, I guess uh, is that the triple threat? No, he's he sings, he does synchronized dancing, and he rides a motorcycle. Yeah, there's. I feel like he's like a quintup quintuple threat, a doctor threat, a dudeca threat. So like twelve threats. Um, but he doesn't look very threatening. No, that's the one threat he doesn't have. Uh, he looks like, I'm pretty sure his character in this is a haberdasher, um, based on the outfits. Uh, is He just gives off the haberdasher vibe, which is not a very common vibe, so I feel pretty confident in that. Yeah, he's so um, let's uh, kind of describe what we saw in the first 15 minutes. Usually I let the guest describe what they saw. And then I will also describe what I saw. And then using that information, we, you know, those, that's, that's what we have to work with. And we will create a new movie, a new story I feel, based on that. I feel pretty confident that with the context clues we've been given, uh, the plants in the really incredible writing and acting we just watched, um, we will be able to determine exactly what happens uh throughout the rest of the course of this film so um i agree we're smart fellas so do you want to uh uh right off the jump tell us how the movie starts and what you saw so uh first of all there's like three musical numbers in the first 15 minutes uh and also a lot of other things happening uh which is just very impressive from like uh you know utilitarian writing standpoint um, so I think that that they definitely deserve to be commended for uh, how much they were able to fit in. But we open on the 
artist formerly known as the artist formerly known as Prince, and he is playing guitar on stage, uh, lead guitar, singing a song. Um, specifically, I don't know the name of the song. I, I went through a big Prince phase in high school, but... It, it does sound like the theme song to DuckTales. See? Okay. It's like, do, do, boo, do, do, That boo, was my boo, exact do, do, thought, which then led me to remember uh, what I think was a, either a Prince cameo, or it was just obviously a character that was supposed to be Prince in a Goofy movie. Um... <laughs> And so I don't think that this takes place in the Goofy movie universe, uh, but I think that there is an homage, of course. But the Goofy movie, I think, takes place in the Purple Rain universe. Yes, exactly, exactly. Um, there's a there's a whole f- son father dynamic. Yep, the scene where uh, uh, Goofy uh, beats his son Max, I think, is taken from. One of the scenes that we saw in the first 15 minutes of Purple Rain, where uh, I don't know the actor's name, but he was Hayes on the Mod Squad. Um, that is Prince's dad, and uh, he hits. I, you know, I'm getting ahead of myself. So, yeah. So, okay, so there's a musical number. It's about three, four minutes long. Yep. Uh, it's They're in a, a crowded club. He's uh he's he's playing he's rocking he's singing uh the are we gonna let the elevator break us down oh no let's go which I feel like that has is probably foreshadowing something um, there is a young woman named Apollonia uh, which incidentally is also the name of uh, Michael Corleone's wife in The Godfather, uh, his first, you know, pre-Diane Keaton. Um, and uh, she is, we are led to believe she is broke because she jumps out of a taxi, doesn't pay, and he's mad, and then she lives in a gross apartment, and then she comes into the, the club where Prince is playing, looking for a job, and, you know, says uh, she doesn't have a phone, but they kind of hire her like immediately like it's clear she's gonna get the job but like based on nothing uh so the 80s were quite a different economy um i think is is one takeaway uh then prince meets apollonia who while he was on stage uh she looks at him and looks very hungry or like attracted but it, it was difficult to tell which um, they, did, they did that shot about four times yes. where, okay, but keep going, yeah. Yes, um, you know, hungry Apollonia, looking at Prince, the whole lip bitey thing, and then later Prince, uh, you know, leaves the stage and talks to the blonde girl uh, who works at the venue, um, and then Prince stands behind Apollonia and puts his sunglasses on and bites his lip now. And looks hungry at her. It was incredibly creepy. It was very strange. I, I was waiting for him to smell her. It felt the back of her head. That's what it felt like was going to happen next. Um, but instead, he disappears, and she turns around to say something to him, and he has vanished. Uh, which was. It, it's possible he was just obscured by a pool cue. Oh, that's uh, true. Because he's a very yeah. slight. Man. Very slight man. Uh, that is true. Uh, a, 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 a thin beam 
Yes, he's he's um, he his hair, however, I feel like might stick out of the pool cue, but that you know, magic of film. Um, who can be just, sure? Just be just because so much happens in the first fifteen minutes. Maybe I can briefly give my account please, of everything, please. everything up until what you've just described. Okay, just so I don't have to go all, all the way back. Love it because because I, I feel like we're going to want to discuss what we saw. Yes, desperately. So, yeah, so yeah, where where she shows up in a cab, the fare is $37, which in 1985 money, I'm assuming is $100. Got to be. So, uh, I I would say $100 taxi fare, that's like going from, you know, the suburbs to the city. That's going from New Jersey to New York. That's that's yeah. a that's a an hour maybe like an hour ride. And she does. This is Minneapolis. Uh, oh, it's Minneapolis. So that's so it's Midwest money, which means it's you know she may very well have come from Omaha. At a so that's a that's about a hundred and seventy five dollar cab fare. Yes, yes. I think as soon as she said, "Take me to downtown Minneapolis," being you know seventy miles away, I think the. If I was the taxi cab driver, I would have said, you know, uh, show me that you have the money first, lady. Yeah. I would have said the same thing. So so she she parked. You know, he stops. He goes, oh, yeah, here's the, you know, here's how much it is. She runs out. She doesn't look very athletic, and she's wearing heels, but he can't catch up to her. Mm-hmm. She hides behind. She hides, like, in an alley. And then she opens her purse, and there's like a bunch of twenties. Okay, we're like, so the audience is thinking, why didn't she pay if she? It's very anti-proletariat, honestly. Yeah, you know. And he, yeah, exactly. And then she looks up and she sees a, a seedy motel neon sign. She goes into the motel. She gets a room. Then cut to her trying to get inside of the club to speak to the the manager. She says, "I need to speak to the manager." I. I'm a I'm a talented singer, dancer, and I and I think he could use my talents. And anyone who's ever worked in the service industry, if you're a self-starter like me, who's worked in many restaurants and has worked at a lot of jobs, you do not go to the business during rush hour. You do not go at the peak to try to talk to the owner or the manager because they will be busy. Yeah. If you want to get a job at a restaurant, you show up after the lunch rush before the dinner rush, when they have time. There was easily 1,500 people in this club dancing. It's loud. Preposterous. So she, she picked the worst possible time to try to get a job interview. So I, And also, as you said, it was so easy for her to get this kind of job or whatever because how she meets the blonde server that works at the venue is she knocks the drinks off of her tray on accident. And then she goes, hey... Well, uh, don't you know what you're, what are you stupid? You don't know where you're walking or, or pay attention. You know, she, she says something like yeah, that. Yeah, she goes, what, what are you stupid? Which is strange to equate clumsiness with stupidity. Uh, but I mean, hey, whatever gets, gets your foot in the door. Yeah, but immediately she's like, oh, hey, sorry about that. I'm actually trying to get a job here. And she goes, okay. So also this, once again, 1500 people, you would think that the bar is very busy but no, this waitress takes, you know, takes a few minutes to go back to the bar to get a pen and some paper and to write down her information. And that's when, um, you know, Prince gets off the stage and uh, he walks up to her and 
they do this very, very weird kind of creepy, we love each other, love at first sight type of thing. Mm-hmm. And also this woman, she looks just like Paula Abdul. Her name is yes. Apollonia, and I watched a lot of pop-up video on VH1 as a, as a young child. Mm. And I know that Apollonia was his girlfriend and was also in his band. But she she looks very much like Paula Abdul in in the video where she is dancing with, I believe it's uh, either Tony the Tiger or Camel Joe. She's she's dancing with one of the either one of those two animated uh, hunks. <laughs> There's a uh, lot of sexual energy from Tony the Tiger. Yeah, you you know that Tony the Tiger, uh, the Kellogg's used to have used to tweet. Uh, Tony the Tiger shit, and they had to stop because too many furries would comment on it and send expl- you know comment explicit Tony the Tiger's uh, f- like fucking pictures. Whoa! And they literally had to to like disband and stop posting anything Frosted fr- Flakes related because you know Tony you know he's got that he's got that V body he's yeah got, you know broad shoulders he's athletic. And he kind of looks like uh, Phelps, the the swimmer. Wasn't didn't Kellogg start out originally advertising that their cereal was an anti aphrodisiac? Explain, please explain. I'm not even. I'm not. This isn't even a joke. I there is some cereal that started out, and it was uh, it they when they came out, they were like, buy our cereal, it will keep what's in your pants under control uh so it uh so this is probably predominantly catholic roman catholic uh kellogg's cornflakes uh audience dr john harvey kellogg's intention for the cereal was not to fill hungry bellies but rather uh to stop people from having sex including self-pleasure I don't know how you would do that. Um, does it make you not attractive to the opposite sex? Does it kill your sperm? Does it do something to give you erectile dysfunction? I, I don't know. I think they're, they're so much more than good that their greatness uh, like supplements. So the, so the original slogan was, I'm soft. Yes, it was just, I'm soft. Uh and then, you know, people started thinking that that meant the cereal was soggy. And they were like, that's my job. I'm supposed to s- sog the cereal. Uh, so then it turned to they're more good than good. They're great. And now you don't have to have sex because they're so great. Um, which then, I, you know, they just shortened it over time. And I uh, am so curious to find out if that really ever worked. Did it really ever keep people from... Copy, copulating, but okay, but back to okay. So Apollonia <laughs> looks sort of like um, Paula Abdul, yep. and also just to be just to be clear, every single person in this movie sort of looks like Boy George. It's true. Every everyone's got that those shoulder pads, like like kind of like a ruffled pirate white shirt with like a black trench coat type of thing. Yeah, a lot they're of face all makeup. all definitely channeling some Boy George or. You know, uh, de- like definitely chameleon club aesthetic, um, and then it's always like mixed with some person. Like Morris Day is like Boy George meets uh, Little Richard. He's like mm. like medium sized Richard. 
Um, and then, you know, Prince is like, uh, I don't even know. Like, Oh, wait, so that guy, Morris Day, is that's the guy in the white jacket that performed after him? Yes, yes. Okay, so, so one thing to note and please add on is while we're seeing Prince performing, we're also seeing Apollonia kind of arriving at the, you know, doing all what, what we just talked about. And then there's also, what is his name? Morris Day. This is a known, is this an actor or a singer? Uh, he, I, he's a singer, uh, but I guess also an actor because he like, you know. Not very good. No, but also not as bad as the blonde girl who wasn't a singer and was just acting. Uh, yeah. The worst actor was the fat club owner. Okay, yes. but so we'll get to that later. So um, Prince was the, oh, okay, so while we're seeing the two things happening, Prince and Apollonia, we're also seeing Morris Day kind of getting dressed in his flamboyant uh, kind of Amsterdam red light district uh, apartment. And he's he's very full of himself. He's getting dressed. He keeps like kind of winking at himself, doing little kissy faces. And then uh, this like yellow 1950s car picks him up. I'm, I'm assuming this is like either his lover or his manager or somebody is picking him up. And then they go to the club. He doesn't do a sound check, which that's bizarre. He doesn't go into a dressing room. He just stands in the audience kind of uh, talking shit about Prince as or So also Prince's name is The Kid. Yeah. Uh, in this, But we'll just call him Prince because that'll be easier. Makes sense. So he's talking shit about Prince and then... Prince gets off the stage, and then as you know, as he's getting on stage, he goes, uh, watch how it's done, something like that. And then he goes and performs, and it's very, it's basically the same music as Prince. And same yeah. thing, everyone in the band is doing very kind of synchronized jumping jack kind of dancing. Um, They're doing the boy uh, band shit. It's a sp- I forget the name of the dance, but it's, it's the specific dance for that song, Jungle Love. You're driving me mad. You're making me crazy. <laughs> it's a dance that would work to that, yes. That's a different song. I believe but, so, <clears throat> yes. I'll take any opportunity to to show my tone-deaf skills to the world. But okay, so so he performs. He's very full of himself. He even That manager guy even comes out on stage and holds you know, a full-length mirror to him so he can check his hair and close while he's performing yeah that was uh that was an interesting moment and i think that there's some subtext there too because the manager guy also looks directly into the camera he strikes the camera he strikes he He winks at the camera and i think they were probably shooting on film and they like they just needed to use that take yeah I, i i feel like they didn't want to but they had to i suspect that it was intentional and he is a godlike figure that transcends uh, the fourth wall, hmm. you know? I wouldn't doubt that at all. Yeah. So, okay, so Prince Lee, okay, so the whole, he, Prince gets off stage. They've got the love at first sight thing with Apollonia. He leaves. Okay, then we see him on the, that uh, famous purple motorcycle while he's dressed like a, a purple pirate, and he's kind of cruising down a, a suburban street. He pulls up to a suburban house. Right as he's about to open the door, he heal, he hears his parents yelling. And it, it's sad. The, the mom is going, ah, he's going to kill me. And the dad, you know, says a very generic kind of bad dad uh, lines. He goes, I don't want you out, out on the streets. 
when I come home, I want this house clean. And then Prince runs up and he's like, Dad, no, no, she's, don't. And then he slaps the shit out of Prince. Yeah. He, he flies back, I would say about 15 feet out of the dining room into a hallway and hits his head. Yep. So like, however, it's totally believable because he is so slight. He's slight. The dad looks like he's a blue collar guy. Probably, you know, lifts wrenches and jackhammers all day. Looks like a wrench lifter. Yes. Um, so that's sad. You know, you, you understand, oh, fuck, there's like some, there's a bad, abusive kind of dynamic going on. And, and I think that's similar to Prince's childhood, if I'm not mistaken. I believe so. Yes. So that's kind of sad. But there's a lot of childhood trauma that goes along with uh, violence at home. So, but uh, then, okay, then cut to Sam Day. What is his name? Morris Day. Morris Day. Morris Day and this fat club owner guy who kind of looks like he's wearing like an 80s run DMC kind of pantsuit shit. Mm-hmm. So they're walking and so it's all it's a long take. They're walking towards the camera in a long, you know, long lens. And just so, such bad acting, such bad dialogue. So, you know, um, but basically Morris Day is saying, you know what, Prince, he, he sucks. Like, you got to get rid of him, you, you know, and also... Uh, is it even possible that the same bands would play over and over and over again at the club? It doesn't even make any sense. But uh, he says, you got to get rid of him. Like those girls in his band don't even want to be in the band anymore. And he basically convinces the fat club owner, hey, if I can start like a sexy kind of girl band, kind of, you know, uh, Spice Girl-like, mm. you know, do you promise that you'll get rid of Prince? So... So this guy has this guy does not like him. He feels very threatened by him. And there's something going on. There's something going on. There's I feel like there's a backstory to why he does not like him. Yeah. There's some I mean, surface level, jealousy. I imagine Morris Day sees the talent uh that Prince has because Prince is not only singing and dancing, he's also ripping on that guitar. Whereas Morris Day... I was going to say riding a motorcycle, and but keep riding going. a motorcycle as well. He's doing all these uh, in, intensely hypersexual activities um, known to just totally slay. Uh, and Morris Day, on the other hand, comes out on stage as a, a medium Richard, you know, a slightly larger little Richard. And this medium Richard is only singing and doing very basic generic dance moves. No guitar, no motorcycle... Uh, and, uh, you know, has a presumably member of the band whose sole purpose is to hold a large mirror uh, and be the, you know, omnipresent... A yes man. Yeah, the yes man god figure who looks us in the eyes. Of the audience, yeah. So, okay, then cut to immediately... um, There's like a... Okay, there's like a thing with like a tape or something. We don't really need to think, like, get into it. But then we cut to like a warehouse. I don't know why they're in a warehouse. But uh, Morris Day and his his buddy, they're kind of creating this girl group. And the girls are dancing in front of a mirror. They don't like, the, the guys do not like their choreography. The girls and the guys kind of argue with, about it. And boom, that's 15 minutes. 15 minutes. So, um... Hopefully we we did a good job of describing what we saw. 
there's a lot of uh, synchronized dancing. There's Apollonia. There's Prince. He's got the bad, a bad dad. He's got troubled home life. He's probably putting everything he's got into his music. Sounds like his bandmates are disgruntled. The club owner is might fire. I'm assuming he's going to fire him. It, it only makes sense. It that, sounds uh, like that's where it's headed. Yes. So. Everybody looks like Boy George. Hungry and... looks, lots of hungry looks. Yeah, so we're going to stick to a traditional three-act structure. We've got the beginning, we've got the setup. Yep. And then, you know, we're going to need a, an inciting incident, and something else happens, and then we have the climax of Act One. Mm. So, I've seen The Chappelle Show. I know that Prince is also very good at basketball. That's true. And I feel like we have yet to see the scene, the pivotal scene that involves basketball. And also, I don't know what anyone's age is. So I'm just assuming Prince is still in high school. Yep. I'm assuming that he's doing this on the side secretly. He's performing this band. Uh, Friday nights, Saturday nights after, you know, working at the grocery store, bagging groceries. Yep. That makes sense. I'm assuming that he's the a point guard on his team. And even though he's slight, he's fast. He's like Pistol Pete. He's like uh, the Steve Nash of the Twin Cities. Totally. And I mean, the, the slight frame makes for an incredibly aerodynamic individual, uh, thus enabling him to, you know, move very quickly uh, and, and probably escape... Uh, people trying to block him yeah yeah he's very weaselly yes he can do he can euro step between two defenders right to the basket the weasley euro step yes so okay so i think so we've, we need an inciting incident so i'm gonna guess that he uh he's he's at school we see that he, you know, he's kind of the guy that can um, be in a, in a lot of different social groups at the same time. Some of the jocks like him, some of the nerds, some of like the goth kids like him. You know, he probably kisses cheerleaders, but then there's probably like bullies too. He probably, you know, there's always like some bullies. Yeah, I feel like he's great bully material, uh, slipping under the radar largely, like being able to float, assimilate to different groups. Uh but, you know, also sort of like a, a little bit of a, not an outcast necessarily, but not, there's no one particular group that is entirely his own. And it's clear that school's not for him. He's, you know, he's destined for either music or sports or kind of, or synchronized motorcycle dancing. Something or anything, you know, big, yes. Something big. He, he's destined for big things. So I'm going to say, uh, it's He's there. He's playing bat. Okay, so they're getting bussed to a game, and like one of the bullies is like, "Hey, why don't you cut your hair, man? That's how. That's a girl's haircut." And he's like, "Listen, man, I, I like my hair, and please don't speak to me this way." Yeah. And whatever. Okay. The, and the coach is like, "Break it up, you guys!" And then um, the game is happening. The uh, prince. Prince is uh, on a roll. He's hot. He's shooting threes. Boom, boom, boom. He's probably got 15, 20 points, five assists, few rebounds, two steals. And uh, I think one of the, the opponents probably checks him pretty hard. Mm. He goes down. He's got a, the bloody lip. 
you know, he looks up at the crowd to see, to, to see if his dad and our mom are there to cheer him on. They're not. They're not. There's no Empty way. seats. Ugh. He stands back up. Uh, you know, he, nail, he nails, you know, he gets the pass five, four, jukes the guy out, step back, Kobe, swoosh. Everyone's cheering, but he's not happy. He's sad. He knows that, you know, he's got a bad home life and, and that victory is not a victory for him. Mm. You know, he, he can only be himself. He can only be good at basketball, but he can't, you know, he can't change what's going on at home. Yeah. So he, he gets back on his motorcycle. He comes home and sure as shit, his dad's beating on his mom again. Ugh. His dad's wasted. So he's got a little extra courage. I think he, he's, he's up to his boiling point here. Yep. He goes, he goes Dad, leave her alone. And, and, then he's, and then he tries to hit his dad. Well, I, I think, think... What, pro- what happens is his dad comes at him and Prince, uh, this, I, are we in the kitchen here? I feel like we might, are we in the kitchen? Yeah, we're in the kitchen, of okay, course, so definitely. Prince grabs the nearest object, which is uh, a bowl uh, i.e. half of a ball, and he shoots it, and it hits his dad directly in the head, the, you know, which is something that for somebody with the skills of basketball like Prince has, not very, not a very difficult feat at all. Um, and it knocks his dad and, down. And since this is in the Goofy Movie universe, we do get the kind of like the spinning... Yep, S- spinning lines around the dad's head, and the, and then there's like the, the birds. little birds. Yes, cuckoo, cuckoo. There's that noise, like a Who Framed Roger Rabbit kind of uh, animate animated animals in a live action movie. A hundred percent. And then the mom, uh, very sad. You know, she immediately goes to defend the dad. Mm. She goes, why? Oh, what did you do? And then that's probably where the inciting incident occurs. And that's... Uh, Him leaving home. Yeah. And Prince goes... Or what were you going to say? What were you going to well, say? Well, I was going to say that the mom says, get out of here. You're no son of mine. Uh, and and Prince sees that his mom is, you know, obviously a victim of abuse. Uh, and what is unfortunately common in, in the case of people who are victims of abuse is siding with the abuser in an effort to, you know, stop the abuse, but it doesn't work. It doesn't happen like that. And, um, and so the mom says, you're no son of mine. And he, in that moment, he realizes that even if he stands up for his mom, uh, there's nobody standing up for him. And he goes, you know, that's it. I'm, I'm getting out of here. So he runs upstairs, he grabs his guitar, he grabs a uh, his basketball. His lucky basketball, and, yeah. And then he gets on his motorcycle, mm-hmm. basketball between the handlebars, guitar on his back. <laughs> he does like a sick burnout, maybe a wheelie. Maybe his dad is coming is on the porch. Shaking his fists, a, definitely. Yeah, he's got a he's got uh like frozen peas on his head. Yeah. And, he, and then he's shaking his fist. And, he, and then as he's doing the wheelie, he takes one hand off, flicks off his dad, and he goes, see you in Hollywood, dad. I mean, you're not my dad. Yeah, he definitely, that's, I'm pretty sure that's, exa- I, you know, I've seen the trailer and I'm pretty sure that exact line 
is in the trailer with the, you know, see you in Hollywood, dad, you're not my dad. Um, I, it may okay. even be on the cover of the movie, in fact. So he's got nowhere to go. So he goes back to the club and he's like, listen, fat manager, um, I just got in a fight with my dad. He was beating on my mom. Do you think I could uh, stay here a few nights? And he goes, listen, Prince, we got to talk. People, you're not just bring, you're not bringing in the people. You're not bringing in the, you know, the crowds. I, I need a hot new group. I need a hot new, I need, I need some girls singing as the opening act every night or I, I don't know, every Friday, Saturday and Sunday, same opening band, which I would never go to the, you know, I don't even understand the logic. I mean, I'd, you know, I'd go once, never go again. Yeah, I would go to a club if it had a kind of a rotating sure bands but not it, it just doesn't make sense it doesn't. okay so he's like fuck i gotta go but then that um that lady uh apollonia she's still hanging out there she's like still trying to sneak in to get a job you know this like half-assed attempt to somehow impress the that fat guy. Yeah, she's and probably he, cozied up to to him a little bit, you know, made made a first impression. Maybe they're giving her a trial run of uh, you know, so she's now she's the one carrying a drink tray. Can we also just for a second acknowledge that uh maybe the blonde girl has gotten fired at this point because those drinks were knocked over in the very beginning. Uh and then she took a girl's job application and had a conversation she never got more drinks. Like there. Oh my god! I feel so bad for the bartender. He was probably losing his so mind. He probably mad. had, probably had ten drink orders just over by the server station. Just going, why aren't these drinks going yep. out? And then and there's people in the crowd who are like, you know, I ordered my apple teeny, uh, seventeen minutes ago, and it never I, I'm came. pretty sure I see it smashed on the ground i'm pretty sure i see my drink on the ground yeah right near that girl who's applying for a job what is she stupid <laughs> so i think um prince gets uh, sleeps in the motel like uh she lets him sleep on the motel mm-hmm. floor the room that she's uh staying in and she goes hey you know, you can stay, or I don't know how, you know, he's probably like kind of sulking outside and it's raining. He's probably like sleeping on his motorcycle. You ever seen like a cool kind of um, cool guys when you, they lay down all the way on the, their motorcycle and they yep. put their feet on the handlebars. They got the hat over their head. Yeah. Yep. It must be so easy to fall over. Um, yeah, but I you mean, fall, you know. With, with a body as slender as Prince's, I imagine that the motorcycle body is akin to what a you know full-sized mattress would be for you or i nick it's not it's not yes. it's no queen size mattress it's no california king but uh it's a twin mattress it's, a tw- yeah. it's probably a twin that is the, yes easy so to fall out of uh but not the worst situation in the world so i think yeah she she comes out of the club and she's like hey uh what about the tips? And the manager's like, "Oh, this is just a trial run. You don't, you don't actually get to keep any of the tips. Uh, that's later when you're officially hired. This is like a, you know, you're in, a, you're on a probationary period." She's like, "Ah, oh, fuck! Like, I, 
I'm going to run out of money soon. And then she looks over at him, at Prince, who's, who I think he like lifts uh, his purple cowboy hat up just a little bit so that one eye peeks out and he looks at her. And then they have those uh, cl- reverse close-ups back and forth, yep. back and forth. More hungry looks. And she goes, hey, what are you doing here? And he goes, I'm waiting for... Uh, says something. He's like, well, I don't know. What are... Looking for trouble, maybe. Yeah. And she goes, well, my name's Apollonia, but you can call me trouble. And Ooh, yeah. he, he's like, listen, you wouldn't happen to have a place to stay tonight. And she goes, well, that's pretty forward of you. I'm not definitely not going to sleep with you. Um, and she, he goes, no, it's nothing like that. I just don't have a place to sleep. She goes, okay, come with me. Okay, and then, so he's sleeping on the floor, and I think that uh, it's like such a crappy motel. I think he wakes up and his eyes are swollen because cockroaches have bitten his eyelids. Yeah, obviously. And he goes to school, and everyone, and there's another big game, and that's when all the college recruiters are there. Mm-hmm. But his, so, uh, his eyes are so swollen that he doesn't make a single basket. He just, yeah, he's like 0 and 15. Yep. And then the two kind of scouts, they, they're sitting next to each other and they go, I thought you said this guy was uh, the, the next Larry Bird. And he goes, that's, that's what the scouting report said, but I guess not. I guess, uh, I guess he's not a, a finisher. And then, and then the one guy goes, you know, maybe this is just an off day for him. Maybe we should come back. And this voice from behind them goes, nah, this is how he always plays. And the camera turns, and who is it but Morris Day, his arch enemy <laughs> from Act One. And we realize right. that, like... That's beautiful. Yeah, the world's just, like, out to get this kid, you know? This kid, the kid. Yeah, so he's back. He's in the locker room. He's got a towel. You know, they lose the game. He's got a towel over his head. And everyone, all his teammates are giving him shit. They're like, good shooting out there, uh, blind eyes. And the coach, you know, and he's like, come on, guys, you know my eyes were swollen. Shut. And uh, the coach is like, listen, Prince, uh, I don't know if I can keep starting you if you're going to have more shooting performances like that. He's like, coach, I'm sorry. I've, you know, I got a lot going on right now. Um, Okay. And then I think, okay, so then he's walking to his motorcycle and um, this this other kind of scout approaches him, but he's got but he's wearing dark colors, he's wearing mm. dark colors and like maybe like a red tie, so we know this might be a bad guy. And he's like, "Listen, kid, I'm I'm f- you want to play D one basketball?" And he's like, "Yeah." He's like, "Well, listen, I-, I can get you on the team, but I'm gonna need your cooperation. I'm from a, a small D one." college called Lipscomb. Ooh. This is a real this is a real college. It's on uh, I believe it's in Virginia, North Carolina. Yeah, I mean he follow he draws from Bascom. real experiences, so I, I I have no doubt that this would be a real college. He's like I he's like I was I wanted to play at Duke or North Carolina. He goes, "Well, not with the performance like tonight, kid." Cuz that's his name. Right. And then um he goes, "Well, so yeah, then some shady shit happens with like uh, these these agents. Maybe he gives him some money. He's like, "Listen, you want you need some money? Maybe I can give you a little bit of cash to help you out." 
So I think he accepts the money. Yeah, that sounds about right. He probably accepts. He goes, I don't know about this. Uh, and the guy goes like, um, well, that's fine. And like starts to put it back in his wallet. And Prince sees the bus that with the rest of his team on it driving away without him. And the one bully pointing out the back and laughing at him. And Prince goes, you know, on second thought, give me that. And he pockets the cash. And then the guy goes, I think you and me, we're going to be good friends. And then that is where the next musical number picks up. Mm-hmm. And it's, you know, it's Prince uh, riding his motorcycle home and he gets an idea for a song and he starts playing and, and basically describes, you know, where his head is at. Uh, ooh, I think, he, yeah, I think he's, but he's also, I think he's bad. composing this song as the motorcycle is cruising down the the highway at like 70. Oh, 100%. And, and because of the centrifugal force, the motorcycle can just stay up. Yep. It just it just stays upright and he's leaning back and he's got his guitar and he's composing. Okay, keep going. Yeah, I, he's composing, he's singing, he's like, you know, when the world rejects you, it's good to feel bad. Sometimes if you're feeling bad, it's good to be bad. And, you know, he, his, his lyrics are, um, when he sings it, it sounds much more profound. And he, uh, you know, gets back to the motel and... But real quick, also, as we're listening to this, the guitar is not plugged in, but it sounds plugged in. And also, there'd be an incredible amount of wind noise and uh, engine noise, yep. but we also... But his voice is, is like studio quality well and that's what's impressive about the you know within the world of the film i i think we are led to believe that his music and his voice are so powerful so dynamic that they transcend uh you know the laws of sound the laws of physics and are able to be uh audible perfectly and perhaps also that you know his uh the i don't know if um motorcycles have fenders i don't think they do because that's like a car thing but for the sake of the pun uh i imagine (laughs) his his guitar might be plugged into the fender uh within the uh within the motorcycle um and you know there's some there's perhaps a an amplifier right beside the engine uh, and he's got that baby cranked, you know. He's got a little bit of overdrive on it. There's some, some nice spring reverb, and uh, and he's singing. He's got that slight chorus. I think sound. he has a guitar pedal also. Oh, if you know motorcycles, there's like a, the right side has the the brake, yep. but then the left side does, uh, you know, it doesn't. So I think he's got a guitar pedal. Yeah, I think there's probably a few there. Honestly, he's probably got his nice little delay pedal going. There's like the chorus. Uh, you know, there's something to mess around with the, the octaves and, um, and yeah. And so he, he, he finishes up the song and he gets back to the motel and the girl is mad because, you know, she just got burned by this, this club owner. Uh, and he has finally had his awakening of, of, you know what? The world treats you bad. It's time to be bad. Uh, yep. And he goes, Hey baby, are you, you hungry? And she goes, yeah, but I, I only have a few dollars. Do you want to maybe we get some tuna and, and beans? Mm-hmm. He goes, not tonight, baby girl. And cut to there at like a, a cool diner. But there, the lady comes over and he goes, 
two extra large chocolate milkshakes, two T-bone steaks, medium rare. Yep. And and the and Apollonia's like, whoa. And the and the the diner waitress is like, how are you gonna pay for that, hun? And that's when he show he flashes the cash, and she goes thousands of dollars. She goes right away, sir. Uh, and so that's when, uh, I, I think real quick, I think there, her eyes get really big. Yep. Her lips are humongous and it's like, there's big dollar signs flashing on her in inside of her eyeballs. Yep. And then it goes cha-ching. Yes. And then the camera turns and we realize that there's a cash register there. Uh, and that. Perhaps she has some sort of med- medical condition that causes her to do these things. Um, and, I, and I think the owner high fives the chef because yep. they just sold two steaks. So that means the, the restaurant's making a lot of money tonight. Oh, yeah. Because they, uh, uh, you know, I don't know how often you have uh, really great T-bone steaks at a Minnesota diner, but they charge an arm and a leg for those guys. Um, I'll tell you what the worst T-bone steak I've ever had was at a Denny's in Englewood, Florida. Yeah, that's a that that right there is like textbook bad decision. It's late at night. My friend is back from Marine boot camp. I want to do a nice thing and uh, sort of th- the, this movie is sort of like Princess Childhood, and then my commentary is sort of my. Childhood. No, I think that's um, what art art is. Uh, you know, a reflection of the lives that we lead, and um, I think it's important to bring your own personal experience into razor, your experience of the art. You're right, razor thin. They they were as thick as coasters. Mm. Ugh. But but keep but let's keep going. Okay, so they eat the steaks, and he's like, "Stick with me if you want to go far." And she's like, okay, I'm not sure what, exactly what that means. Um, so they're cruising on the bike again. They are, uh, you know, another s- song plays. And okay, now uh, I think uh, the climax of Act One kind of already happened. Yeah, he got kicked out. Now they're together. The, you know, maybe. Yeah, uh, I feel I- like cli- climax of Act One was probably when he made the decision to be bad. You know, that was mm-hmm. his, that was his, like, that was our uh, jump into act two was like, okay, it's a new world. This new world is, uh, the kid is becoming a man and that man is bad to the T-bone. Yep. So I think, okay, so cut to high school graduation, he receives the diploma and instead of shaking his principal's or superintendent's hand, he does the thing where he, um combs his hair back yep. you know he goes oh too slick for you and there's a lot of groans from the audience and they're like show gasp. some respect yep. and then he, he puts his glasses sunglasses down he goes just so everybody knows i'm a bad boy yeah he- and i'm leaving this town so cut to oh no, okay so he goes and pick to pick up his well, he also, he gets to the back of his graduation, and he's about to leave, maybe even smoke a cigarette. I don't know if he's gone that far into his badness yet. But uh, the college recruiter shows up, and he goes, Hey, kid, we had a deal. Uh, 
you know, and they, they he talks for a second. He, he, you know, in a little bit of expository dialogue, he explains that uh, he he gave Prince money so that Prince would uh, play for them. But Prince has been largely MIA, uh, and now this this recruiter wants his money back. Mm-hmm. Um, so I think okay. So begrudging. Okay, so he goes. Uh, we'll talk about it later. I've got unfinished business, Dan. So he, once again, he burns out on the motorcycle. He goes to the club and cut to, you know, he, um, he's outside of the club, but cut to the inside of the club. And the Apollonia's arguing with the fat club owner and he's coming on to her. Mm. And he's like, he's like, why don't you give me a couple kisses? And she, maybe, I think she, she smashes an, a glass ashtray on his face and uh, he goes get out of my club so she runs out prince is there and she's like get like we got to get out of here because um the you know the guy's henchmen are, are now coming after them so they leave and if i'm not mistaken i think what happens is they do a cross-country road trip yep. to north carolina well, so you can go because, play it's college. because they go get out of here and she goes uh, like i guess we got to go back to the motel and so Prince is like, you know, Prince can't go back to his parents' house. He's already left there. Can't go back to the club because she's gotten kicked out of there. Can't go back to school because, A, he's graduated, and, B, basketball guy's looking for his money. And so they get back to this dingy motel, the only place left in town that they can be. And who's there but the cab driver that she robbed earlier in the movie. And he goes, hey, where's my money? And that's when they hop on the motorcycle and say, we're heading to Hollywood. And by Hollywood, I think he's going to Lipscomb University to actually play college. Well, yeah. Basketball. Yeah, the Hollywood of Division One of basketball universities. So they're there. Uh, she, he, he lets her sleep in his... So, this, so now it says one month later, mm. they're in like a you know, beautiful... Uh, you know, Southern campus. And uh, he's like sneaker and sneaking her in and out of the dorms. She's sleeping. She's pregnant. I know it says one month later, but she's visibly pregnant. So it's like, she's like, looks five months pregnant, eight, seven months pregnant, but it, so it's, it's not important. Um, but uh, so he's playing basketball. He He's doing well. You know, there's, um, you know, all these, uh, Sports casters from the '80s are there. Lipscomb, blah, blah, blah. oh, there's basically a montage of how he's the best three-point shooter in college basketball. Mm. All of these things are happening for him. You know, she's t- talking about getting married. You know, cut back to his dad, drunk, watching these ba- these nationally televised basketball games. He's pissed. His dad is pissed. Oh, he totally throws a beer at that TV. He throws, he crushes a beer and he throws it. And he, st- he still has peas on his head. Yeah. He, he's still got a bump on That's his head. That's how good at basketball the kid is, is that he left a borderline permanent bump on his father's head from the throw. He, he of may the have hole. shattered his uh, skull. What do you, skull? Yeah. Hairline fractured it. Yeah. Hairline fractured his hairline. Won't heal. It just won't no. heal. He's got to keep. He's got to keep frozen vegetables on it for indefinitely. Yeah. Family's going almost bankrupt from all the frozen peas they have to keep buying. 
Uh huh. Uh huh. Very tough time. The, the, the wife, the wife keeps saying, well, uh, "Why don't I just refreeze them?" And he goes, "Once they melt, they no good." Yeah, and then you he, know that. And then he throws them at her every single time, and the bag breaks. Peas go everywhere. And he goes, "Clean up those peas." Yep. <laughs> Which is another tagline on the back of the in the trailer. If you watch it, that's another thing okay. that I imagine so, they included. Yeah. So cut back to. Um, He's doing well. He's on ESPN. I don't know if ESPN exists yet, but he's on uh, the sports chat network. And, you know, people, uh, there's reporters talking to him, this and that. And then you also cut to that shady agent. He's, he's placing bets. Uh, he's placing bets on him. Yeah. yeah. So now it's the national championship. Or it's like a first, first round of, of March Madness. And uh, the... Everyone, you know, everyone's like rubbing his shoulders. Everyone's like, you know, his fan. He's basically the Steph Curry. He's Steph Curry, basically. And um, that manager is parked in a sedan in a parking garage and he goes, hey, kid, can we talk? He goes, I'm going to need you to throw the game. Mm. He goes, what? I, I would never do that. I would never do that. He goes, listen, kid, we made a deal. You got to throw the game. I need you to miss a couple of those shots and then i think what happens kind of like in fight club with brad pitt he doesn't miss he makes those shots is that what happens in fight club well uh brad pitt is uh a boxer and he's not supposed he's supposed to throw the match are you no is this lock stocking that's snatch (laughs) yeah snatch smash That, Lock, that, stock, and smashing fight club. Yeah, right? that I think that's exactly what happens. Uh, yeah. Prince looks, he looks at his team. He looks at the guy, uh, the guy, the, the, the college basketball, the bookie, basically. Uh, he, look, he looks at his girlfriend who's well, rubbing her stomach. And that's, he looks that's back what... at the bleachers. His dad is there with a beer and peas on his head. Yep. And then he looks back at his girlfriend, and his girlfriend smiles at him. And that's when he knows. And he turns and he looks. And he t- Well, bef- before he shoots, though, I think there's a puddle of water under, at her feet. And, he, go, and he, he has enough to—this is all slow motion. He, go, he does the thing where he points at his two eyes, and then he points at the ground. She looks down, realizes her water is broken. Yep. He looks back at the basket, releases it. It floats in the air for about— Two minutes as another Prince song plays, yep. and he and that yeah, and he keeps looking back at his girlfriend. They've got the the back and forth, back and forth close up looks. Swoosh, the bookie rips his hat off, or I guess he's like the age whatever scout agent bookie guy rips his hat off, throws it on the ground, is stomping oh, he on stomps it. Stomps on that hat. He looks at Prince and he does the the neck cut. Yep, gesture. <laughs> the dad. The dad, uh, he looks up, the dad is gone. So he never gets any closure with his dad. Um, everyone, all these, you know, everyone's running at him. He makes a big circle. They lift him up, which is very easy. Like anybody could have lifted totally. him up. People do it by and accident. Then, People shake his yeah. hand. <laughs> and he, goes, he gets lifted up. He goes, uh, he goes, how does it feel to, to win the game-winning shot for, for Lipscomb? And he goes... Now, right now, I've got to go deliver my baby. Or, and then he gets, he puts the, he runs out. He, you know, he's holding her hand. He, he leads her out of the, the stadium. 
gets on their motorcycle and he does like another cool burnout and he takes her to the hospital and uh, cut to the, you know, the baby coming out. It's got long hair. That's mm-hmm. got, it's very curly. It's, it's, all, and it's, it's in a bright purple blanket yep. swathed in a bright purple blanket and uh, they go, what are you going to name it? And uh, Evan, I'll give you the honors. What is, what is this child's name? Uh, he goes, I'm, I'm going to name it King. And they because... go, well, you know, within the movie, it's, you know, he was, he, was a, he was the kid, and now he has a son who's King. But in real life, we as the audience know that it's a nice tip of the hat to uh the fact that he's prince that's a great uh that's great that's great so yeah and then yeah that's great the wife smile the girlfriend smiles and then and then he actually pulls out um a wedding ring and he goes how how about i make an honest woman out of you she goes oh no thanks no i don't know i'm kidding no they get married yep they get married and then Okay, so that's like that's uh the, I guess like the midpoint, yeah, uh, the, uh, of Act Two, and then there needs to be an obstacle and then a crisis, so a disaster and a crisis. So, so I think what happens here, is like you know the the big twist uh, within the midpoint is almost the fact that, uh, you know he betrayed the bookie and he didn't throw the game. Uh, and then so the, he's you know, kicked the, out of college. Yeah, he violates NCAA rules. The bookie uh, anonymously sends all of these documents, and even even the the very first time they met, it's all these photographs of him talking to him. Yep. And uh, the exchange of the money happening in the parking lot. Clearly, there was no way anyone could have taken photos. It was nighttime, but. It's it's all there. It's all it, you know. The audience is led to believe. Yep, someone was taking photos. And and they have sworn testimony uh, that Prince is taking steroids. And we see who's giving that testimony. Yep, that's right. Morris Day of Morris Day in the Time, former uh, and still current band member at the club in Minneapolis. And uh, the detective goes, "You're not lying about this, right?" And he looks right at the camera and he goes, I would never lie. Yeah. And you as the audience, you know. You know he you is. You know he is because he, that's what he does. He lies. So we've got the spinning newspaper transition. <laughs> Lands. Headline. Um, superstar three-point shooter uh, kicked out of NCAA mid after heroic performance in round one. So that's it. Like he can't he can't finish his college career. Uh, he was oh he was also supposed to be uh, drafted top ten and become a millionaire. Yep. And now he, uh, there's doubts about his moral character. Yeah. Teams go. I I don't know about that kid. If he's gonna pull a stunt like that, what's he gonna do in uh in the big leagues? He's, he doesn't have moral character. That's this is a bunch of. Uh, basketball owners smoking cigars talking to each other yeah and they're and they're saying you know i i don't think this guy uh not only should are we kicking him out of 
the NCAA as they've already done. But I think we should kick him out of school altogether. Like this is not a man who deserves to wear our colors, our um, our red and blue. Uh, yeah. That's the Lipscomb. Uh, you know, the Lipscomb Lions are the red and blue Lions. and um, In the Goofy movie universe. Within the Goofy movie universe in which this film takes place. Um, and so they, uh, they say, like, that's it, you're out. And, you know, because of that, uh, they kick him out of school. So now the kid has a wife uh, who is a, a stay-at-home mom taking care of a newborn baby stay stay at dorm mom stay at dorm mom uh he's got no he's about to get kicked out of the dorm because he's not allowed to go to that school anymore he's got no means of income uh he's out of money the bookie is out to get him um and and he's like i don't i don't know what else i can do uh this is you know it's a bit of a disaster for him so yeah, I think they're both sleeping on uh, on that motorcycle. He's created some sort of uh, <clears throat> like an awning, like some sort of, like he's like a sheet on four stakes. To, you know, it's raining. Mm. Basically, there's a tarp. There's a tarp over the motorcycle. Yep. Him, his wife, the the baby who's crying. Yeah, they're they're sleeping on this motorcycle, and she goes, "What are we gonna do, Prince? You know, you promised me a good life." He goes, I didn't promise you anything. And they have a, they have a fight. He leaves. The, you know, uh, the bookie is after him. He comes back. And, he, and I think um, he, he realizes that he's, that he's got a guitar on his back. Yeah. And he goes, oh, where did that come from? He's like, he goes, this, he's like th- you know, hello, thing. old friend. Yeah, and he kind of remembers, oh, yeah. Like, I, I'm actually also a good musician. So that's when they go to Hollywood. Yeah. Well, that, yeah, they hop on the bike, him, wife, and baby. Uh, he goes, like, he goes, baby, just, you know, just give me one more chance. There's another musical number. Oh, but before that happens, I think he takes the, he, the, the basketball that was between the handlebars. Mm. I think he, he unties it, and he goes, I'm not going to be needing this anymore. And he throws the basketball away, and then he puts the, uh, the baby uh, there. Right. And ties the Between baby the to the motorcycle, uh, or ties like the car a car seat. Or yeah, that's probably much safer. But it was the eighties, and things were you know different back then. Seatbelt laws. There was no seat, but yeah. So the baby's just the baby's just balancing. Sitting. Yeah, it's just there. Um, the uh, the you know, and he sings a song to the girlfriend, and that's where he sort of rediscovers like. That's right. Like the music. The music was what brought us together in the first place. The music is the answer. And so he goes to Los Angeles, uh, have it burned every bridge he had, you know, the original club, the Lipscomb scholarship, the dorm, college, NBA, promising NBA career, promising NBA career, you know, many millions of dollars that would have been his and, uh, drives into the sunset and, uh, gets to Los Angeles. Yeah, I think something that might be better for this movie is that if you were actually good at basketball, you would still get drafted because they don't care about that. But I think what happens is the bookie uh, hits it, hits his, like uh, hurts him. He he shatters his ankle. That's yeah. And he, and he goes, "Now we're even, kid." 
And, the, and he goes, ah, it's a Nancy Kerrigan situation. It's, that's exactly what it is. And the, and the bookie's about to attack him further. Uh, and that's when uh, his dad, the wife, sw- the, oh. the, that's right. That's when his dad comes in and punches the bookie out uh, and goes, get out of here, kid. And, but and then he goes, now we're even. Yeah. Like they, they, that line is delivered twice in a matter of 30 seconds. Yes. And it's a, you know, a sort of like first time it means one thing, second time it means something good. And, um, you know, so from there he gets on the bike, he flees town. Uh, he can't run because his, his ankles broken, permanently affected, never going to play for the NBA. Um, but he's able to ride that bike. And he, he hops on that hog with his gal, uh, and they head to Hollywood. And that's when... Yep. That's when I think there's like a montage, you know, they, they move into a seedy little apartment with a lot of, a lot of other single moms and, you know, kind of winos. Mm-hmm. And I think there's a nice montage of them, him rehabilitating his ankle, him and the wife, her getting back into music... You know, and them kind of forming this this group together, this duo that has a baby, that has a, a baby too. Yeah. And that's what, uh, and then we get to, I mean, it feels like we're at the climax of act two right now, you know? Yeah. Like, and this he's, is... he's trying to, he's trying to dance and he's like wincing because his ankle hurts, but then eventually he does the, he can do the move. He can do the, the move, move that... as he's playing on stage and there's one note that he like goes to sing but it just won't come out and the wife panics and looks at him and he panics and looks at her and the crowd that has gathered because they're they're you know at a small club but it's slowly gotten more and more full as they've heard this magical music people are hearing it from outside you keep cutting to people outside going whoa what is that song and they and they're paying admission and walking in mid-song yeah and everybody's getting excited and as this is happening we see all the people from their past coming in uh, in the backstage. They're coming in. They're trying to get their way to the stage so that they can they can get what's theirs and they can stop Prince once and for all. And he gets to that high note, and he, he just can't hit it, and he looks at his wife. And then we hear the high note sung, and the camera pans, and lo and behold, it's the baby. And the, Which is now uh, about eighteen months. It's old. about eighteen months, and it like just old enough to talk, and it can hit that high note, and it's beautiful. And because that high note is so high, uh, it causes a bunch of glasses to shatter. Yep. Including two large tubs on the Lipscomb truck that uh, people from the university had taken to get there, and those two. Uh, glasses on the Lipscomb truck contained red and blue, the Lipscomb colors, which have now bled together and overheated and created a sort of fog-like rain with the colors merging into the color purple. Thus, purple rain. I love it. And then this, the the note is still sustained and Morris Day is running up to do something, and his eardrums break. They burst, just burst. Just, Blood. Just you ever seen out. Copland? Yes. You ever seen Copland? Yes. Just <laughs> bleeding out of his ears like Sylvester Stallone's, and they he, he once again he he grabs the baby, grabs his wife. They run off stage. This 
This purple acid rain is falling on them. And the last notes are still ringing out because it's those. It's like you know the there's that feedback, and he's playing through one of like a a, a one of those like you know seventies silver face twin reverbs, and it's just that wow 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 just ringing out. It's beautiful, beautiful. Yes, sound. I love it. And uh, perfect. Yeah, and then they and they uh, smile. As they're as they're uh, running away, they're outside. Yeah, and I think that um, it's going to become it in a minute. It's going to be like the graduate. They run away together. But before that, I think just like kind of uh, Who Framed Roger Rabbit again, um, some sort of I guess like uh, you know animals standing up on two legs wearing clothes join him and his wife and his son. And his mom and his dad and maybe maybe that blonde waitress comes back and they're all doing a, a synchronized dance. Yes. You know, and, and you can imagine everyone's like, it's like, it kind of looks like very good. It looks like a really good version of the dance people do at weddings where it's like, and out of the left, and out of the right, and it's one, two, step. Yeah. It's like a, it's like a hyped up version of that. Found now. Two step, two step. Yeah, that's exactly what it's what it is. But there's a lot, a lot of slides in it, uh, mm-hmm. and it's a sort of like reprise of the song that they had just played on stage. You know, it's like uh, uh, that to the next level, up an octave. Yeah. It's got some more drums. It's really just powerful, powerful stuff. Yeah, um, and then Slash. If you know Slash, the guy with the oh, long hair yeah, and the top Guns and Roses. he comes in. He starts doing a, a really cool uh, s- guitar solo, and then Axl Rose kind of steps into frame. Yep. And, and then Prince yeah. goes, sorry, guys, let me show you how it's done. And he takes Slash's guitar and just wails on it. Fingers going so fast you can't even, his hand's just a blur. And Axl Rose and Slash both have their hands, uh, you know, arms crossed, and they keep looking at each other, smiling like, oh, this guy's really got it. We are impressed. Yep. And then he finishes it. Axl Rose gives him a business card, and he goes, if you ever want a record deal, call this number. You know, you know, now you know how to get a hold of me. Yeah. And Prince goes... Um, maybe tomorrow I've got to go uh, make love to my wife and buy some toys for my son. Yep. Uh, he, he's like, you know, I, uh, sorry, but tonight it's steak dinner at a diner, then me making love to my wife and buying toys for my son. Sorry, Rose, Mr. Rose, it's family night. Yeah. And then he goes, maybe I'll call you tomorrow. And then and then they take off. Um, I think uh, Axel Rose and the, the blonde waitress, they look at each other and it's like that. Oh, Prince. Wow. What a character we have. Uh, and, they, you know, nodding their head and smiling. Uh, and then I think it's... Um, you know, he's cruising. There's like another like 10, 20 seconds, this, you know, new kind of instrumental song. Then it's uh, the, sh- the infamous shot from E.T. Yep. Where the, the bike is crossing the moon. It's, it's Prince jumping. I guess he's jumping like a, a bridge, a drawbridge. 
but here's that is up. But the the thing is, he he jumps the drawbridge, and then as you know, physics would say that you reach the uh, what is what's the word I'm looking for? Precipice. The point the, of no return. The point of no return. You know, he he reaches his the peak of his arc, uh, and that's when you would normally start coming down. He doesn't. He just keeps going. Uh, yeah, uh, not, he is very light. He is very he, light. He, That's true. He's so very light. You know, from a physics his bones are hollow like a bird. Exactly like a bird. Um, and his hair probably catches a lot of wind. It can do, you know, there's it's almost oh, lighter. it's like the way that like if you drop a plastic bag, yes, it floats yes really slowly down to the ground. It's kind of like that. He can't. He's got so much wind resistance. Yep. He just, he can't fall. It's like how Batman flies, basically. Except rather than the cape thing, it's his hair. And even though there's been easily hundreds of amazing camera shots and moves in this movie, the the best one is saved for the last, the most epic shot. You know, this is a huge wide shot where we see t- the, the launch and the landing, the, the two sides of the drawbridge, the, the motorcycle's fairly small in frame. And it's the most insane zoom you've ever seen. Right into a close-up of him as he's flying through the air. He takes his sunglasses off, looks right into the camera, and he says, "Um, That's all, folks. And that's where they get that from. People don't know, but the Looney Tunes actually took that from Purple Rain. Yep, and then the same way that it... uh, that circle, ha- you know, the way the bugs, the, the end of a Looney Tunes, bidee, the bidee, circle. Bidee, yep. You know what I'm talking about? It like creates a little circular frame with Bugs Bunny in the middle. Yeah. That happens. And then it fades to black. And then um, the, it's, you know, then it's one of those film school credits where it says written by Prince, directed by Prince, starring Prince edited by prince which is all f- n- n- can't be real no but that you know the 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 credits themselves are part of part the of the movie. movie exactly exactly and then that stops and then the real credits are there yeah okay that feels like a really good feels really good are you happy to stop there i am and very we... happy to stop there i think that that okay. is uh, you know I almost feel bad for anyone who listened to this because then they're going to go and watch the movie and it's I I would be shocked if that we didn't just describe the exact plot of Purple Rain. So, I've got the Wikipedia open. I just clicked it and let me just read it. Okay. <sighs> okay, so it was filmed 1984. It's called an American rock musical drama film oh. directed by Albert Magnoli. His credits are not that great feels like this it was written by him and it seems like that's like his the biggest movie he ever did i feel um, like he did something else that was uh reckless american anthem tango and cash party man street night dark planet and nash bridges season two episode 23 i think it yes it was that specific <laughs> nash bridges episode i believe um, I, I feel like it was probably me. I feel like he did music videos. Uh, oh, cool. That makes a lot of sense. Yeah. Which it makes a lot of sense. 
Um, okay, so let me let's keep going. Yeah, okay, yeah, yeah. so principal photography took place almost entirely in Minneapolis. Great. Um, the club was paid one hundred thousand dollars for the use of filming. Oh. It was closed for twenty five days. Purple Rain grossed over sixty eight million at the box office and eighty million worldwide, thus making a large profit on its seven million dollar budget. Wow! It won an Oscar. For best original song score, uh, it's added to the in 2019. The film was added to the Library of Congress for preservation in the National Film Registry for being culturally, historically, or aesthetically significant. It's been regarded by publications and critics as one of the greatest musical films. Okay, let's go to the plot. The kid in parentheses, the kid is the talented but troubled frontman of his Minneapolis-based band, The Revolution. To escape his difficult home life, uh, his father verbally and physically abusive, he spends his days rehearsing and his nights performing at the First Avenue nightclub. Uh, The First Avenue's three house bands are The Revolution, his band, The Flashy Morris Day and his group, and Des Dickerson, who we have not met Mm. Okay, so Morris, uh, basically, oh, because the girls in Prince's band have written music, but Prince won't let them perform it. Okay, so um, Morris gets them to, you know, to kind of leave the group, and he gets them to replace the revolution with a girl group, which we saw. Okay, so that that actually happened. He targets the kid's girlfriend, Apollonia, an aspiring singer and new arrival in Minneapolis, to lead his group, oh, fuck, and tries to persuade her that the kid won't help her because he's too focused on himself. He eventually, she eventually joins Morris's group, which Morris names Apollonia Six. When she reveals her newfound partnership to the kid, he becomes furious and slaps her as his father had struck him earlier. That's... Childhood violence. You, you you just end up repeating it. It's a it's a vicious cycle. Yeah, that makes hurt sense. people. Hurt people. Oh, I love it. That's yes. At the club, the kid responds to the internal band strife, the pressure to draw more crowds, and strain private life with his uncomfortable personal. I don't understand what that means, darling Nikki. Okay, his performance publicly humiliates Apollonia, who runs off in tears and angers both Morris and Billy, worsening his situation. I believe Billy's the fat club owner. Billy confronts the kid, castigating him. I don't know what that word means. Castigating him for bringing his personal life uh, onto stage. It's like cha- chastising. Chastising. You yeah. should just use chastising. Yeah. And warning him that he's wasting his musical talent as his father did. Okay, the debut of Apollonia 6 is a success. Billy warns the kid that his slot is at risk. Okay, the kid seizes Apollonia from a drunken Morris, and the two argue and fight. Apollonia then abandons him. Returning home, he finds the house in tatters with his mother nowhere to be found. When he turns on the basement light, his father, who had been lurking in the basement with a loaded handgun, oh my god, shoots himself in the head. Oh my god. What? So the dad killed the mom. No, the mom either left him or he killed them. Oh my god. Was it a murder-suicide? Yeah, I don't know. Jesus. Maybe maybe she left, and that's why it wasn't clean anymore. And then, okay. Oh, my God. Okay. Have they mentioned frenzy, the word basketball at all yet? 
Uh, there's one paragraph left. We'll see. Okay. Um, in a frenzy, after a night of torment, the kid tears apart the basement to release his anger, only to find a large box of his father's musical compositions. Oh. The next morning, the kid picks up a cassette tape of one of Wendy's and Lisa's composition, a rhythm track named Slow Groove, and begins to compose. Okay, so it's like he's going to like do a hybrid of his dad's shit, who sounds like a piece of shit, and the Wendy's and Lisa's composition from the group that they left. Okay, that night at First Avenue, the club, all is quiet in the dressing room until... Um, Morris stops by to taunt the kid about his family life. Oh my God, that's some bully shit. You taunt someone about your his dad killing himself? Okay, once on stage, the kid announces that he'll be playing a song the girls in the band wrote dedicated to his father, revealed to be Purple Rain. Oh, okay. As the emotional song ends, the kid rushes from the stage and out the back door of the club, intending to ride away on his motorcycle. We kind of Oh, yeah, that. that, okay. However, before he can mount his motorcycle, he realizes that the crowd is thrilled by his new song. The kid returns to the club. Okay, so he's literally outside on the motorcycle, and then he real, and then he sees the crowd reaction. That makes no sense. There's there would be no line of sight from the outside to the crowd. Okay, um, uh, the kid returns to the club to be greeted by the approval of his fellow musicians and the embrace of a teary-eyed Apollonia. The kid returns to the stage for two encores with the revolution. So now this is three songs in a row that we're hearing at the end of the movie. To the wild approval of the crowd, even Morris. Overlaid scenes show the kid visiting his father and mother in the hospital. What? His dad shot himself in the head with a shotgun. Wait, but okay, his dad's the, um, alive? I guess he didn't kill himself. Oh, oh I mean, it's a movie. I, uh, truth be told, if you shoot yourself at point blank with a shotgun in the head, you are dead. Yeah, that's... but it's a movie, I guess. So I guess, and the mom is also in the hospital. I have I, this is so confusing. Um, so it's overlaid scenes. He's visiting his mother and father in the hospital. Oh no, sorry. Yeah. No, I'm correct. Yeah, they're in the hospital. He's accompanied by Apollonia. A montage of all the songs plays as the credits roll. Hmm. Let me go back to the suicide part. Yeah, it's... Yeah. His dad... Oh, no. Basement with a loaded handgun. Shoots himself in the head. Yeah, the Wikipedia doesn't explain if he dies or not. But maybe in the movie it's clear that he doesn't die. Or not. Or... That's a big thing to not tell the audience. So it's like his dad shoots himself, cut to him, to Prince Mad in the basement. And then, what, 20 minutes later, cut to him in the hospital as a surprise? Yeah, I don't... And, his, and we don't know if his mom was dead or alive the whole time. And he didn't look for her? Yeah. Uh, Pretty weird. I'm still caught up in what, how did his dad survive? I don't get it. Yeah, his dad shot himself point blank in the head. So they must have removed the bullet. Oh, you know what? If this was our movie, I think the bump on... Okay, so when he... Remember he, he cracked his dad's head? So his That's where skull, the bullet escaped. The bullet escaped out of the crack in his head. Yes. And he goes... And, and the, that's why he's like okay with his son now is because he realizes... He's like, thank you. He's like, you saved my life. You cracked my head so the bullet could escape. 
and and I could survive and, my suicide. And when I pulled the trigger, I realized that I still want to live. Yeah. So thank you for that miracle, son. Okay, so we for, uh, I also, but before we, we get out of here, let's also think about what would be the poster of our movie. We should have done it right when we finished, but mm. what would be the poster of our movie? I mean, it might be too generic, but it's, it's him jumping the drawbridge, but that's a little... So I, don't I feel like him, him jumping the drawbridge with the baby, the wife, the guitar, uh, but rather than being in front of the moon... They're in front of a white basketball. A basketball. Yes. And then on the drawbridge, shaking their fist, are all the enemies that they made along the way. Yeah. And on the other side, uh, is ju- it's like glowing. You know, like it a also kind of. Like oh, hope. you're right. Yeah. And there's purple rain. Oh, yes, that's right. There's purple rain also. It'd also be fun if it was kind of a collage. So kind of like six, seven, eight moments from the film. So it's dad, his dad with the gun. Uh, up up against his head, and you can see that the trigger is already pulled. So it's like uh, it's that famous Vietnam photograph where um, the guy is executing another guy, and his the you know the trigger is pulled. So you know that uh, it, it happened. Okay, so there's that. There's him making the sh- the basketball shot, and it says point one second left as he's shooting it. Mm. Then there's the the bookie in a trench coat. Yep. There's Morris looking kind of like a bad guy too. There's the wife, the the baby. Um, and these are all kind of smaller collages, but the main drawbridge basketball thing is centered. That feels good. That feels good. Anything anything else to add to the poster? Um, Maybe, oh, taglines. Oh, taglines. I feel like we definitely covered some of them, like some of the things that the dad said. Uh, Um, Maybe it goes three, two, one, dot, 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 swoosh, dot, dot, dot. This time it's personal. Yeah. uh, uh, What is it? Coming Coming of age in G major. That's good. Yeah. That I'm going to be sharp. I need to use that. Ooh, G sharp. That's exactly mm-hmm. what it should be. Uh He's a G that's sharp. He's a sharp No. He's a sharp he's G. He's a sharp G. And she's trying to F. Too bad they're going to make a minor. Maybe yeah. That's good. Yeah, cuz they made him a, a minor a baby. Which is a minor. So there's, and you then know, it, it's playing yeah. on a lot of, there's a bunch of themes uh, within there. And the trailer would be like a very 80s trailer. It would be like, in theaters this summer, the classic pseudo-murder-suicide basketball musical. Yep. Ding, 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 ding. Life is <laughs> like a hurricane. It's a duck. His dad was a bad dad, but he was a star, a shooting star. This summer, will he end up sleeping with the girl in the trailer? Sleep with me. 
Yeah. That's I was doing the back the other noises while you were doing the Oh, I know. Yeah. I that's good. <laughs> I'm so happy that you were. Yeah, I, th- um, I think it worked really uh, well. Evan, this was such a magical episode. I'm so happy that you were on the show. I am as well. This was great. Um gave me tremendous amount of fodder for future ideas. Uh now that I know that none of these brilliant ideas were actually implemented within the film. Um, yeah. I think I'm going to write Prince and... Oh, yeah. He died. You could write his estate. I'm going to write Prince's estate and say, hey, Prince may be gone, but there, there's, a, there's, a new, there's a king in town. It's time for a reboot. It's time for uh, Purpler Rain. And I think LeBron James... It's oh, kind of like Space Jam. It's like, yeah, it's like maybe LeBron James plays. Oh, LeBron James is his son, all grown oh, up. Oh, that's perfect. And he's the one telling the story in like a, a Princess Bride esque way. And Wallace Shawn is in it. I don't know who that is, but I'm so down to have him in this. He's the old guy. He kind of talks like I know. I'm so ba- I'm bad at some impressions. The old guy. Yeah. He's an old guy. It doesn't, doesn't matter. <laughs> you're you're onto something. Yeah. So don't forget. Yeah, don't forget to mention that um, the remake would have LeBron James. Yeah, a hundred percent. I mean, I, it's it's in there for sure. Okay. So as always, I think I like our movie better. I agree wholeheartedly. Um, so I've ranted a lot in previous episodes about, uh, our government and like COVID-19 and all that's jazz. So anything else you would want our viewers to know? Any, any kind of words of wisdom? Oh, my computer's at 4%. So really make it. Uh, so just, uh, closing closing thoughts. Um, long live the proletariat, death to the fascist insect that preys upon the people and, uh, uh, stay safe. Stay safe. Stay safe. Stay safe. Take care of your your you yourself. Take care of your loved ones. Yes. Okay, Evan. It was such a pleasure. So Please good. do a good job of saving these clips and email them to me and to my email address. I will do that. And watch out, scammers! Evan's gonna get you. I'm on. The, I'm on the loose, boys, and I've got free time. <laughs> All right. Not. S- you might be familiar with Robin Hood. This is Robin Good. Ooh, I think that's the line to end on. That was wonderful. All right. All right. Onward and upward. Onward Take and upward. Care. Purple rain. that a lot of fun had an amazing time with my guest evan cutler waddles that was a lot of fun i think it was pretty funny too and i think we weaved a delicate yet intricate tale that should be entertaining enough while you're driving or exercising or just kicking back relaxing but either way 
feeling hashtag blessed to have done it with Evan and having him been a guest. And I'll just leave you with a few great quotes that I think might be useful. If oppor- uh, pardon me. If opportunity doesn't knock, build a door. The best way to predict the future is to invent it. If you want to lift yourself up, lift up someone else. And most importantly, be who you are and say what you feel, because those who mind don't matter, and those who matter don't mind. Everyone, be well, be swell, take care of yourselves and each other. You the best, onward and upward. I'm your host, Nikki Spaghetti, out.